Jessica, and welcome back to Everything Goes Wrong, where everything goes wrong. Um, clearly, this episode is a little bit late. I was supposed to post this on Saturday, and I realized I hadn't done anything that I was supposed to do, um, because we all as a group decided that we wanted to spend a little bit of time during Women's History Month to talk about some of the women in history or in our lives that kind of inspire us and um, encourage us to follow our dreams to do good in the world and I hadn't done any research by Saturday. So I spent Saturday night putting together some of my notes so if you hear paper in the background that's why I'm flipping through all of my my little notes on who I wanted to talk about today. But um, before we get into it, I just kind of wanted to take a minute and update all of you on what's been going on. Um, I had a new job interview. Hopefully I'll be working as an um, orthodontist assistant. I'm really excited. I'm really hoping that they call me back in for a second interview. But if not, then that's fine. I can find another job and it'll all be good. Um, this week was a really good week. I, I got to listen to some of my favorite podcasts. Um, I wrote a little bit. I read a lot of books, actually, and I bought some new books. So I'm really excited about that. And I got to do research on one of my favorite people in history. Um, but yeah, tell me in the comments what's going on with you guys. How have you been? Um, is there any topic that you would want to talk about or send in? Obviously, it's always open. Obviously, we're always looking for things that you guys want to hear about. Um, and we'd be happy to do whatever it takes. So, now that that little recap is done, this is going to be a shorter episode because I am doing it by myself. Um, but I hope that you guys learned something. I hope that you enjoy it. And let's jump into it. So, the person that I chose to do some research on and look m more into is a woman by the name of Frances Glessner Lee. Now, some of you may know her. If you're like me, she is just an icon. She is so cool and I love her so much. But if you don't know her, then let's start from the very beginning. Frances Glessner Lee was born March 25th, 1878 in Chicago, Illinois to her father John Jacob Glessner and Frances M. Glessner. Now, her family was really well off because her dad was an industrialist and he put a lot of money and got a lot of profit from the International Harvest Company. Um, but her mom usually stayed home um, because she was teaching her and her brother at the house. Like, they didn't go to any public schools, mostly because, like, girls didn't really go to school. They stayed home and they learned how to cook and clean and, you know, mend things. So, she, she was taught at home with her brother, um... And she was really smart. She was very creative in everything that she did. 
but her brother, when they were older, he ended up going to Harvard Law School. Now, at the time, women weren't allowed to go to college, but I think that if Harvard had opened its doors sooner, then she would have, just because she was so, like, invested, and she, I don't know. So, while her brother was at Harvard, Fanny decided to stay home, and she ended up getting married to this guy, right? And his name was Blewett Lee. First of all, let's talk about that first name, Blewett, because that is just... I don't, I don't know why, but when I learned his actual name, I like sat there just cracking up to myself. I thought it was really funny because later on, after they had three kids together and they were living, you know, fairly decently, they ended up getting a divorce. And um, according to Francis's son, he says that it was likely because of her like curiosity all of the time. She always wanted to like be doing something and she wanted to invent things. Like she would always be making something and it must have driven Blewett mad. So they ended up getting a divorce, but she ended up inheriting all of her father's money, right? So he didn't have access to any of those funds anymore, which is a win in her situation, I think. Um, anyway, so after she inherited all of her father's money, she ended up raising her kids, doing fine, you know, divorced her husband, but her brother, while he was at Harvard, he met a man, his name was George Burgess McGrath, and her, or Fanny and him, they ended up kind of becoming friends. And he introduced her to the best thing in the world, (laughs) um, which was forensic investigation. And I don't think anything came between between them, so, like, she wasn't really interested in him, you know? She was just kind of like, ooh, you know, tell me more, because she wasn't allowed at the colleges. Anyway, so he introduced her to forensic investigation, and later on, like, like I said, like, she got her dad's money. She was rich, like, she had it all. And together, her and George kind of petitioned for changes in the forensic investigation area, that kind of department, because at the time, they would allow really anyone to be a coroner. Like, you could be a lawyer, you could be a gardener. You didn't really have to have any medical, like, background to be a coroner. And she was kind of like, "Mm, that just doesn't feel right. Like, I think that a doctor should be a coroner because they know more about the body. They can figure out the cause of death better than, you know, uh, freaking Billy over there. Like, So they kind of petitioned together to have that fixed, and on top of that, she also gave a lot of donations to Harvard, um, which started, like, everything, you know? She started the, well, she found, she funded, oh my gosh, I'm having a hard time, 
She funded the Department of Legal Medicine at Harvard in 1931, which we'll get into later. Um, and she also established the George Burgess McGrath Library, a chair in legal medicine, and um, there's there's a thing that happens at Harvard where they do seminars, um, and she was able to fund these seminars for homicide investigation, which she also taught at, by the way, which is super cool because she would be in a room full of like 30 to 40 men, and she would just stand there and teach them when there were really only male professors at the time. So she was pretty cool and keep in mind she's doing all of this like through world war one like she lived through world war one and then she got into world war two like she's insane anyway so then after all of that after making those big huge accomplishments for harvard and for all of its students now um she also funded and endowed Harvard Associates in Police Science, which in turn created the Francis Glessner Lee Homicide School, which is still being used today, right? So they're still training FBI and police and, you know, uh, CI, or not CIA, CSI in that school. They're still teaching people with that program which is super cool. However, all of these accomplishments are not actually what she's known for, which, I mean, is crazy to think about because that is a lot and it's super important and they're still being used today. And, you know, it's just insane that none of that is what she's known for because what she's known for is actually creating what's called nutshell studies of unexplained death, okay? In these nutshell studies of unexplained death, she would make dollhouses and like with her fortune, right? So she's digging into daddy's money and she's making these miniature dollhouses and creating crime scenes on actual like homicides that happened. And basically like so this was in the late 40s and early, or late 30s, early 40s, that she started making these, but they were used to train investigators to look at every single detail, especially if there was like a tampered crime scene or evidence had been, you know, moved or shifted. Um, and it was like down to every last detail, you know, they had, she had like tiny little smoked cigarettes in bowls where she had hair on like a couch and it it's just so fine and so detailed that the students so they would basically have 90 minutes to look at the full crime scene like the little diorama and then what they do is they write down everything that they can remember about it and then they come up with a cause of death because at the time they could never, like, it was really, really hard to figure out if a death was caused by suicide, murder, or just pure accident, you know? And so, looking at all of those details, it would train investigators to be detail-oriented. They would look at every single thing and then write down their hypothesis. Um, 
each of these dioramas would cost up to four thousand or more dollars per model because of everything that she put into them and there were like multiple rooms and there were you know different uh furnishings and whatnot so it was again like these are not just like a regular dollhouse these are insane um later um in her life she decided to donate all of her dioramas to harvard so that she could use them during the seminars that she was teaching at and actually some of them are still being used today i think 18 was the number that i kept seeing as i was doing research um, I think the 18 are still being used today and they're still on display so you can like check them out. Um, but yeah, so 1945, she donated all of them. And in 1943 was when she kind of got more recognition because after 1943, she was dubbed the first female police captain of the New Hampshire police. That's the first time that it's ever happened, ever. Um, and she also got the name the mother of forensic science, which is so cool to me because I've been looking into investigative forensics as my major, and I just, to be called the mother of forensic science I would have a heart attack, you know, like that would be top tier compliment ever. Um, but Frances ended up dying on January 27th in 1962. She was 83 years old at the time, but from what I can tell, she lived a pretty full life and she was pretty happy and nothing really stopped her. She didn't stay a housewife even though she was really good at being a housewife. Um, she did, she made a lot of uh, great accomplishments. She had a lot of friends. Um, unfortunately, her Department of Legal Medicine that she um, funded at Harvard, it did close in 1966, but really it did still help people and it still made a huge impact. And she is just, one of the coolest people that I've ever heard about and I've I was so happy to be doing more research on her because I had covered her um, in an assignment that I did for school but I didn't really dig in deep like it was more of just to scrape it off the top and just know her name know her profession and then know when she died so I was really happy to be able to research her um, my sources for today were Wikipedia, which I'm not sure how accurate that is, but it's what I used. A an article by Laura J. Miller from the Harvard Magazine, and the Smithsonian American Art Museum that covered "Murder Is Her Hobby." Um, that podcast, which I haven't listened to the podcast, I just went on their website, and also on their website you can actually go see pictures of her mini dioramas and you can just see how much detail is in them and people actually using it still and you can solve crimes and it's super cool and I really recommend it because I had a blast looking at all of that so again just go to uh, the Smithsonian American Art Museum website and look up Francis Lee and it should pull up but 
yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to do this episode. It was kind of fun to look more at someone that has the same interest as me or had the same interest as me and did something with it. Um, thank you for listening. Let us know what women you want to hear about and someone that you admire or look up to. And again, we're always open for more topics or comments or questions. Um, you can type them in the comments or send it to superfastpodcast.com. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a great day and stay safe out there. Bye.